Welcome to Kingdom Life Church, Stellenbosch. May this life-giving word activate your faith today. So how many of you have been here last week? So last week we started with the series called Surrounded. And the series' focus help us to be intentional well, because sermons are actually intentional. I don't know if you know. We, we preach something we want to get to. We want to grow into. And, and this sermon series is intentional to help us understand God's presence, but also draw closer to Him. That's what, what our focus is. And, and I really felt that as I was planning, I said, Lord, what is the last sermon series or the, the, the series of sermons before we end the year? And God kept pressing on my heart to speak about the presence, to speak about His presence. And, um, and, and I thought, okay, um, maybe I should be obedient. And that's why I started working on this. And, and it's blessing me. I don't know about you, but it's really blessing me as I'm working through this and thinking through this and reading the Scriptures again and, and realizing that we are called to walk in God's presence. It's like a car. If you get into a car, that car is called to be filled with petrol. Or maybe if you have a diesel car, that car is called to be filled with diesel. And the same as us, we were created with the DNA to be filled with God's presence daily. It is. So last week we kicked it off um, by explaining and defining God's presence. I don't know if, you, if you've ever come to that place of, have you ever defined God's presence? It is actually quite easy, and it actually opens a couple of doors. But God's presence is firstly, the omni, we talk about the omnipresence of God. That means that God is everywhere. Okay, God is everywhere. Everywhere we go, God is. And I spoke to a guy this week. He said, yeah, God is even in the trees. And I said, no, no, no. God is not in the trees. There's only one created being God dwells within. And that is you and me. The trees are His creation, but yet God is everywhere. Then secondly, God, there is, is the inner presence of God. We speak about the inner presence of God. That means that you are filled with God's Spirit, and that means He dwells within you. That's when the Holy Spirit comes and lives within us. And then lastly, we spoke about the manifest presence of God that we spoke about last week a bit. And that is when God makes His presence known among us. And that's exactly when you step into a place of worship where we sometimes experience and feel, wow, God's making His presence known among us. And that can increase and decrease as we go. But we've got an omnipresence and an inner presence that is full-time with us. But sometimes when we fellowship together, when you open your Bible, when you put worship music on, when you're alone, there's a manifestation of God's presence in our lives. And I don't know about you, but I need more of that. I need more of God in my life. We need more of God in our lives. Now we started out looking at God's relationship with Adam. I don't know if you remember. And how God pursued spending time with them in a the garden. He did. And then after the fall, we came and we saw how Moses and Elijah again pursued God, pursued the manifest presence of God in their lives. And we said something about that last week as well. Now, so, so the question so many people ask, if God pursued Adam and Eve in the garden and Moses and Elijah and all the guys in the Bible then pursued God, so now who is pursuing who? Think about it. 
God, should I pursue you or should you pursue me or should I wait on you? It's a good question, isn't it? I thought a long time about this question. I thought, man, maybe I should just read my Bible. But there's both of these things are in the Bible. So how do, I, how do we answer this question? You see, I believe that God's heart cry towards us is asking this question. And the question is, why are my children satisfied without my presence? Why are we, why our generation, why our society satisfied without God's presence? I'm satisfied going to church and satisfied playing a nice Bethel song or I'm satisfied, but why, do I, why am I satisfied not seeing God's manifest presence in my life? Or not sometimes experiencing Him as I want to? You see, why do we remain distant when we could have a living intimacy with the God of the universe? Why are we satisfied without that intimacy? It's a good question to ask ourselves. Now, if you go to James 4 verse 8, it will set us up for what I want to speak about today. And I want to speak about it's in the pursuit. James comes and he says the following. He says, come close to God and God will what? Come close to you. So what does James say here? He says, when we come close to God, what happens? God suddenly comes closer to us. Now if you look in the Passion Translation, it says, it's so beautiful. It says, move your heart closer and closer to God. And then what will happen? And He will come even closer to you. Now looking at the Scripture, let me ask this question again. And this is a very important question. Who comes close first? It's not a trick question. We do. As I come closer to God, He suddenly comes closer to me. We pursue first. You see, this is amazing. I mean, just think about it. There is something that we can do when we initiate something that the God, the creator of the universe, the God of the universe, the one who put the stars in their place, the one who holds the oceans in his hand, in the palms of his hand, comes closer to you. When you initiate closeness and draw closer to him, he comes. Isn't that amazing? I mean, that's something we need to cheer about. That's something we need to celebrate, that we have a God who is so relational that He comes closer as He sees someone draws closer to Him. Now, this is not works. It is actually grace, and I'm going to explain this to you. I don't know about you, but, but, but this is actually an incredible truth. It needs to excite us. So what God is actually saying through His Apostle James and says, we are the ones determining the level of our relationship with God. <laughs> Think about it. I mean, I mean, this knocked me for a six <clears throat> when I realized it. It says, I am determining my level, my relationship with God. That's what James says. As you draw close to Him, as you come close to Him, He comes close to you. So many believers believe the concept that, that there is just certain people that is born closer to God. They have just they got that anointing on them. I mean, the Billy Grahams, the Mother Teresas, man, they were just amazing. God just stayed with them. But that's not true. No, no. They were just close to God because they chose to be, cho chose to be close to God. There's nothing different from them than us. 
as we draw to him, he, he is drawn to us. Now, most of the people with a superior intimacy and a closeness to God is not necessarily the celebrity preachers or the famous evangelists. No, no, no. But it's those who chose. It's those who chose to be close to him. I don't know about, but I don't know if most of you know this. And, and it's very important. I didn't, I, I mean, I had to rethink this, but I don't know if you know this, but I believe that most of the time, God is more passionate to be close to us than we are drawn to Him. God is passionate to draw close to you. Now let's go a few scriptures back. James, we just read James 4 verse 8, but look, look at verse 5. Verse 5 says the following in New King James. It says, Or do you think that the Scripture says in vain, the Spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously. The Spirit who dwells in you, the inner presence of God, it yearns jealously. Look at what the, the, the Greek says, that, that word yearns in the Greek means to long intensely and consistently. Isn't that powerful? It is so powerful. You see, it says that God intensely longed for our fellowship just like He had fellowship with Adam and Eve, and that's why He created them. He longs intensely for that fellowship, to be close to us. Isn't that amazing? But He also longs to fellowship with us consistently. Now, that's quite something to think about. God longs to dwell and to, to, be, to have intimacy with us consistently in our lives. That means that God thinks about us every second of every hour of every day of your life thinks about you. I mean, that, that you have to calculate that a bit. I don't even think about myself every second of every minute of... <laughs> really? I mean, this is something to think about. No, no matter if you wake up Two o'clock in the morning, guess what? Holy Spirit is ready to talk to you. He's ready. He's there. He's consistent. Our God doesn't slumber or sleep. He's constantly thinking about you, about us. David writes in Psalm 139, he says the following, verse 17 and 18, he says, How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. Now, this is something to ponder about. L let me break it down to you quickly. It's almost holiday. I don't know, some of you, I'm very, very excited to go to the beach and enjoy time with my family. But if you ever sat on a beach and you take a handful of sand, now, if you take that handful of sand, I tell you, why don't you just count every granule of sand in your hand? It will take us quite a while, eh? Now, scientists, I don't know how they do that. They've probably, they are clever. But they have figured out that if you take a hand of sand, a normal, normal uh, default human being, <laughs> if he takes a full hand of sand, it's got about 10,000 granules of sand in one hand. 10,000. Since David says that God's thoughts about you and me are, is more than all the sand on earth. That means every beach, every desert, every golf course, every little kiddies patch, every granule of sand on this earth, God's thoughts are more than that for you, for me. Now, now, now how many of you, 
I know there's some fishermen in here, but fishermen sometimes exaggerate. Come on. I caught this big a fish, but it's, I mean, the fish is, no. But do you know what God doesn't exaggerate? When God says something, it's the truth. God cannot lie. So when God spoke through David, he said that my thoughts are so intensely, consistently for you, it is more than every granule of sand on this earth. It is the truth. (laughs) I mean, it blows your brain. The next time you sit in the beach, take a handful of sand and think about it. That Lord, wow, before I woke up this morning, you had more than 10,000 thoughts on me. Do you know that 10,000, our physical naked eyes can't even count 10,000 stars. And if you start making that calculations, you realize that our God is massive. He's amazing. He's incredible, indescribable. And he's thinking about you. And what is he thinking about? He's thinking, how can he come closer to you? See, God longs to communicate with us and awaken our hunger for more of him. That's his heart cry. See, it is God's pattern to come close to us. He wants to communicate with us and to ignite our hunger for more of him. Now let me prove it to you through the scriptures. In Exodus 3, we're going to speak about Moses. So one day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. and, And he led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. We all know this story so well. And we have spoken about this. Then Moses stared in, in amazement. Through the bush, though the bush was engulfed in flames, he didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't this bush burning up? I must go and see it. Now, God appeared to Moses and he manifested his presence in a supernatural way. That's what it is, a supernatural sign. So when Moses saw the supernatural sign, what did Moses do? He immediately turned and said, man, I need to go and check this out. This is interesting. And as Moses turned and he was walking towards this moment, look what God did. Verse 4, he says, when the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him out of the middle of the bush. You see, as Moses came and he drew closer to God, suddenly God drew closer to him. He reacted to God, to to Moses' hunger. Now, when I was 13 years old, I was prayed for at the AFM church, and and somebody prayed for me for filling of the Holy Spirit. And um, I was still a young man. I was just the first year in high school, and and, um, I thought this is the weirdest thing. Um, people starting speaking in languages that I didn't know what's happening. And this guy came to me and I was fearful. And he said to me something that I till today remember before he prayed for me for filling in the Holy Spirit. He said, Henny, remember, God is like a gentleman. He will never do something that will embarrass you. He will never force himself on you. He's waiting for you to draw closer to him. And And... And I will never forget that. You see, and the story of Moses is such a proof of God's heart. He didn't force Moses to go close to that bush. He was waiting for Moses. He was luring him with a supernatural sign, with a manifest moment, and says, let's see if my son draws closer to me. 
And as Moses drew closer, God spoke. And it was a defining moment. I don't know about you, but Moses left the sheep right there. The scripture says he went further than he went before. And, and there was not a territory that he knew. He left the sheep right there and he went. He said, this is more important than anything else. Anything else in my life. I think, I mean, that was so amazing. No matter how passionate God is to encounter us, he will never force himself on us. Never. He waits for us to draw near to him. That's powerful, isn't it? Now let's look at the story of Samuel. Here we go. 1 Samuel 3 verse 1 to 5. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli. Who was Eli? Let's just stop there. Do you know? Eli was the high priest. He was the senior pastor. He was the man in charge. He was the leader of the church. So Samuel, we know the story. His mom dropped him off there. God, she asked God for a son. God gave her a son, and she dropped the son off and said, Lord, I'm giving my son to your kingdom. It's amazing. So here Samuel is serving Eli, and it says, Now in those days message, messages from the Lord were very rare, and visions were quite uncommon. One night Eli, who was almost blind by now, had gone to bed. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God. That's quite a place of God's presence, isn't it? Suddenly the Lord called out, Samuel. Yes, Samuel replied, what is it? He got up and ran to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I did not call you, Eli replied. Go back to bed. So he did. So let's look at verse 8. We, we jump a bit on. Verse 8 says, So the Lord called a third time. Now, now, this is the third time the Lord called. There was a second time, and the same thing happened over. So the Lord called for a third time, and once more Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? Then Eli realized it was the Lord who was calling the boy. Powerful story. Now God calls Samuel a boy, but Samuel thought, that Eli, the high priest, called him. Now when I read this, it was quite interesting. How could Samuel thought that he was hearing Eli's voice when God was speaking to him? Was Eli's voice, his leader, sounding much familiar than the voice of God? That's quite interesting. I thought, wow, sometimes God's voice comes in different ways. Voices that we know. So by the third time, I think, man, why did Eli only figure this thing out by the third time? Couldn't he by the second time figure out, listen, I'm not calling this boy, this must be God. Why the third time? Some translations actually says the fourth time. Couldn't God just speak to him the second time? No, no. You know why? Because God wanted Samuel to know how he speak. God wanted Samuel to know God's voice. He was teaching and training him to draw near to God. Also a manifestation. It's not a burning bush. But it's also a manifestation of God's presence. And teaching the prophet of God, this is how my voice sounds like. This is the voices you need to listen to. And sometimes it might seem like a physical voice, but I'm speaking to someone. It's the same with us. If we sense God speaking to us, we just need to keep on running to Him. 
And then we need to embrace Him in that moment, embrace His presence until we learn and know His voice apart from other voices in our lives. See, that's part of our personal relationship with God. As we grow spiritually, we learn to distinguish between voices. I don't know about you. There was one time in my life where I had so many voices around me that I went into my inner room and just said, Lord, I'm over all these voices. Can I just hear your voice? And God said to me, Henny, sometimes I speak through voices around you. You just need to get your ears in tune. Teach yourself. Grow in relationship with me. And as you draw closer to me, you will hear my voice more clearly because I will draw closer to you. See, God doesn't just desire attention from us. He desires us to desire Him and time with Him. Did you hear that? God doesn't just desire to be with us. Yes, He does. But He desires us to desire Him more and to hunger for Him more. He longs for us to pursue Him, pursue Him to a place of encounter like Moses did. Now let's look at Jesus, because Jesus was also human like us. He was God, yet human, but Jesus had a relationship with the Father. Let's look at this moment, and and we have spoken about this moment in Mark 6. In Mark 6, verse 47, 51 um, to 51, it says the following, Late that night the disciples were in the boat in the middle of the lake, and Jesus was alone on land. Now, let's just pause there. You know that Jesus forced them into the boat. Go and read it in Mark 6. He said, you go, I'll meet up with you. And I think the disciples thought, well, Jesus, it looks like a storm. And Jesus said, but I want you to go now. And because of the obedience to Jesus, they went. This is amazing. This is just, just an extra. So they went, and, and, and Jesus was alone on land. So he saw that they were in serious trouble rowing hard and struggling against the wind and waves. And about three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came towards them walking on water. He intended to go past them. But when they saw him walking on water, they cried out in terror, thinking he was a ghost. They were all terrified when they saw him. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage, I am here. Then he climbed into the boat and the wind stopped. I saw that for the first time this, this week. We all, I've preached about this so many times. And, and, and they said, they didn't say that Jesus was a ghost. They, re, they recognized Jesus as he was coming. But they thought, it's impossible that anyone can walk on water. This must be Jesus' ghost. And then he spoke to them, shh, it's me, don't fear. Now, There is no doubt that Jesus, (laughs) Jesus was coming out there to help his disciples because the word says he saw that they were struggling. He saw that the winds and the waves was high. It was tough on them. He definitely knew they were in trouble. But then he pulls a move on them. He makes as if he was going past them. And then when they saw him and they freaked out, they said, okay, whoa, 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 whoa. It's me, don't worry. Just think about it. So why did Jesus do that? Jesus, can't you just walk to him? Hey, I'm here, guys. Don't worry. Quiet. He could have done that. But he makes as if he, here I am. Can they see me? No, no. 
But this for me illustrates how the Lord comes to us. He is always there in the midst of our problems. In the toughest times of your life, Jesus is there. He doesn't just take control though. But He's there. You know, regardless of how desperate your situation is, He is waiting for us to call out to Him. He's waiting for us to call out for help from Him. He doesn't force help on us, and He's always on top of the very thing that is trying to drown you. You see, the disciples were worried about the water that was trying to kill them, and here comes Jesus walking on the very thing trying, that, that's trying to kill them. Jesus is there. He's just waiting on us. Call on me. I'm waiting for you to draw near to me so that I can come closer to you. See, as we walk with God and grow in our, our relationship with Him, it is so amazing to discover how He communicates with us. Isn't that amazing? If we discover that things like, wow, Lord, you never, I mean, God spoke to me through a radio song. Like, clearly. God is so creative, He can speak to us in any form, in any way. He loves people, though. He loves it. But the, did you know that the Bible is consistently in, in this? That the Bible reveals that God's, it reveals God's passionate desire and pursuit of mankind. Go and read through the Bible. There is a passion and a desire in God to pursue us. God pursued Abraham. He pursued Moses. He pursued this guy. I mean, there was prophets that God pursued, and, and, and when God manifested His presence in their lives, they, I mean, it's God's, God's presence is, is solid in that. See, if we look at the story of a a Adam again, when Adam and Eve messed up, God didn't come into the garden and said, right, immediate judgment. Where are you? Sit, stand, stand. Okay, come. What did God do? He came and walked into the garden and what did he He was looking for Adam and Eve to have fellowship with him. Isn't that just showing God's heart for forgiveness right there? Right there. God is not a God of judgment. He knew he had the law of judgment. That's why he had to send Jesus so that he can step back into fellowship with us. You see, God came to the garden and called on Adam to pursue fellowship. That's where we first see his heart for, for forgiveness. And when Adam was still alive, guess what happened? He had a great, 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 great grandson called Enoch. And Adam was over 800 years old and Enoch, his young grandson. No, no, think about this for a moment. As the family of Adam grew up, grew up, everybody knew that Adam was walking in the presence of God. And if you go to the historical things, I read about it, I didn't go and read it, but I said there is actually historical proof that shows, that, that shows the life of um, Adam. And, but apparently they say that Adam and Eve were so depressed, losing the presence of God, they were sitting in dark caves for weeks on end. They were depressed for, uh, we just lost the greatest thing that any human being could have. Now, I know it's not in the Bible, so we can't say this. But think about the scenario. 
So here comes the great, 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 great grandson of Adam called Enoch. And he has a longing and a hunger to know this God, the Creator. And he thought, but I'm going to go to my great, 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 great grandfather. And the people said, no, don't go to him. Don't remind him of that terrible moment. And he said, but I'm so hungry. I want to. And I think he went and sat with Adam and said, please tell me about the God, the Creator of the universe. And Adam's like, oh, you don't know how amazing is he. When I was walking in a garden with the Father, the cre- it was, oh, there's nothing like it, nothing compared to it. And you know what happened? A hunger started growing in Enoch. A hunger to grow closer to God, to know Him better. And when Enoch got to age of, a young age of 365, the following happened. And Enoch lived 365 years walking in close fellowship with God. Then one day he disappeared because God took him. God just took him. Enoch was 365 years young. <laughs> because Adam was 800. But God enjoyed him so much. He enjoyed that fellowship with Enoch so much that he said, it's done, I'm taking you to heaven right now. Boom. Come. Why? Because Enoch pursued God and he enjoyed God and he longed for God's presence more than anything else. He had a hunger for God's presence. Noah comes and he pursues God. He spends time with God. And no one else except Noah knew about the total destruction of the human race. Noah did because he walked with God. He pursued God. Then we saw Abraham, we saw Moses, we saw Elijah, we saw Jesus, and all of them walked with God in a special way. Why? Because they pursued and loved the Father's presence. We need to remind ourselves constantly that God values us. God values you. No matter what you think about yourself, God values you. No matter what you have gone through in your life, God values you. No matter if you feel you're still sinful, but you know you're safe, you know what? God values you. I read this story this week. It was quite amazing. And it's actually a real story. A long time ago, a story is told of a man who loved old books. He met a friend who had just thrown away a Bible that had been stored in the attic of his family home for generations. And the guy said to him, man, I couldn't read this Bible. I just couldn't read it. He said that someone named Guten something had printed this Bible. And a friend explained, he said, not Gutenberg, really? He said, the book lover was in horror knowing this. He says, this Bible probably was one of the first books ever printed by by Gutenberg, a copy of this Bible was just sold for $2 million. And the guy said, yeah, he was unimpressed. And he said, yeah, probably mine wouldn't get a dollar. There was some, some fellow with, named Martin Luther scribbled in German all over the Bible. <laughs> you see, sometimes we sit with something valuable, but we don't deem it valuable because we don't draw closer to the one who values. 
the more we spend time with God and in His Word, the more we realize that He values us. And He longs to pursue us. He longs to pursue you. John 3.16 says, it says, For God so loved the world. That means you and me and everybody who was and everybody who would come. God so long loved all of us that He gave His Son. He gave the best He had. You know what God could give a galaxy for our sins? He could pay with anything on this earth and create a universe, but He chose to, to give Jesus. Why? Because that was His valued, most valued possession as God. And the question for us today is not really how much God values us. It is how much do we value God? That's quite a, a tough question that I had to ask myself. Lord, do I value you enough so that I will draw close to you every minute of every day? Think about you as consistently as you think about me. Lord, how much do I value you? See, God loves us so much and longs to pursue us, but He wants us to pursue Him and draw close to Him so that His presence might become part of our lives every day. If God, the day when He gave us choice, free choice, that means that He couldn't force Himself on us anymore because He's given us choice. And that's why He longs for us to choose Him every day. Just as a man needs to choose his wife every day over again and not just act as if she's a trophy, that's how much we need to choose God every day of our lives. We need to choose Him. So I've got a challenge for us this week as I close. I want to challenge you to go and sit in your inner room this week and open your Bible, close your eyes, and then say, Father, I want to draw close to you. And then think about how much He values you and how consistently His thoughts are about you. And in that moment, said, Father, I'm ready to draw close to you. I want more of you. I, wanna, I want more of your presence in my life. I want to encounter you, Father. Because it's in your presence where I will see you move. It's in your presence where my temptations falls away. It's in my presence where there is breakthrough. It's in your presence. It's in his presence. We need his presence in our lives. Amen. Can we stand and I want to pray for us. So Father, we thank you this morning. We thank you for who you are in our lives and what you do. And, and Lord, we are blown away by how much you think about us, how much you value us. We are blown away, Lord, with your love that is constant in our lives. And Lord, I pray this morning that, that we will never forget this. That when we draw close to the God of the universe, the Creator, the Alpha and Omega, when we are intentional on coming close to You, there is an immediate coming closer to us. And Lord, I pray that we will never forget this. That we will never step away from that thought and say, Ah, I've messed up. God doesn't care about the messes. 
past messes, future messes, because Jesus died. He gave the most valued possession on earth He gave for you. Not as a license to mess up, but He gave us grace to empower us to never do. So Father, we want to embrace you this morning. We want to embrace your presence in our lives and in our church. Lord, we pray. Lord, we, we've got a longing for you to show up when we fellowship together. We've got a longing to encounter you, Lord, whenever we have church, whenever we pray, whenever we read our Bible. We've got a longing to encounter more of you, Father. So let's just take a moment before I end this morning. Maybe you want to just put your hand on your heart and, and just say, Father, I'm here. I know you, you know where you I know you know me. Maybe you need to repent for not drawing closer to him enough. Maybe you need to repent and say, Lord, I don't value your presence as much as I need to. Let's just take a moment with him, just a minute or so. Father, we want to draw close to you. It's our heart's cry, Father. We want more of you, Lord, and I pray that this week that you will intensify our moments with you as we draw closer to you, Father. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. For more detail, visit www.klcstellenbosch.co.za.